Hello and welcome to another illustrious episode of Edgeguard. My name is Blake Peckett. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend Jordan. Hello, that's me. The more illustrious of the two. Well, I, you know, I'm not going to disagree with that. <laughs> You've given a talk somewhere, so at least like uh, some people have have heard you speak. And mm, that's in true. My name, my, na- my name is you. on a, a conference. Um, schedule so you know yeah. really famous or actually another reason why i'm illustrious is uh this game that we played this week i won i became the king you became the the royal in royals yes the game called royals yes um, we, this week we played uh, royals by asher volmer um which is um it it, it sells itself well I guess the Ichio paid, it doesn't sell itself at all. It just says, <laughs> an old forgotten game from your youth, you can't find the manual. <laughs> but once you once you load the game, uh, it, it it refers to itself as an optimistic peasant simulator. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I, while playing this game, actually the first thing I want to I wanna hit you with is uh, what, what I kind of, my classification of this game which is a strategy roguelike management simulator. Strategy roguelike management simulator. All right, so what is... So I get the strategy, because mm-hmm. the mechanics are like turn-based strategy, basically. I get the management simulator, because the, the core mechanic is like you have these different resources, and you can like spend some to get more of others, and you have to find the optimal way to maximize all your resources. Mm-hmm. Um the roguelike what you're having ro- trouble with? roguelike is the one that i'm a little confused on i guess is that just you just mean that it's like procedurally generated each time uh, or procedurally generated and run based because mm. you're, oh you're yeah, doing yeah, yeah multiple runs and like many roguelikes or roguelites as people <laughs> like to call them uh where yeah we're really just going down the uh weird video game uh nomenclature hole i know uh, but, uh, but I would describe this one as a Souls-like, since uh, that's the most overused description. Because it can <laughs> mean anything. True. You die a lot. Actually, you don't die a lot in this game. So the one thing that people use for Souls-like isn't even true for this one. Yeah, but but anyway, I would say it's like a rogue-like in that uh, there it's based on runs. There's like a final goal, but it will take you many runs to get there. Many runs where you are failing. Yeah, uh, and hopefully learning more about how to not fail mm-hmm. um and nothing persists between the runs like you don't have any statistics that carry over between each run of the game and uh the uh yeah as you mentioned there's procedural generation uh with like the world that's being generated so mm-hmm. before we before we like get super deep into that we should give people like a high level of what this game is which is that basically you're told uh that you're uh, a, a peasant who's a farmer and who's tired of being a farmer and you want to become royalty. Uh, so you're sort of placed on this little grid and you have a spot you you start on your little farm and then the, the grid around you, the different tiles around you are generated uh, procedurally and they'll have all kinds of different, like, you know, they'll have like houses or settlements or mountains or deserts or forests. Mm-hmm. And you can sort of do all these actions on each one. You're kind of spreading around and you're trying to, well, I guess the manner in which you go about trying to become royalty is uh, totally up to the player. But, mm-hmm. and I'm not actually sure how many like total ways there are to uh, sort of win the game. But, um, 
there's a lot there's a surprising amount of like stuff to do in this game i think it's it, so it's sort of presented on the itch page as like oh you found this old like floppy disk yeah <laughs> you had when you were a kid and you don't really remember how to play it so you're just kind of like hopping in blind and the interface is all like uh in black and white and it's like pretty primitive it looks like you know yeah. some sort of like apple II or like mm-hmm. maybe early 90s really feels like it could computer. run on a floppy disk you know yeah <laughs> like- yeah absolutely um but anyway uh where where do you want to where do you want to start with this game um, well, the very first thing I want to just start with, um, you just kind of start at the beginning, is you pointed out that like this game bills itself as you can't. It says you can't find the manual, and it just drops you in, no tutorial, no instructions. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I was kind of impressed with, with this game was able to do is like there is like n- literally no tutorial and hardly any descriptive text about what things do, and you're still kind of able to get the gist of how the like systems work mm-hmm. together. Like you have um seven different well, I guess they're not all strictly resources, but really they are. You have like seven different um numerical counters at the bottom of your screen that represent different like resources at your disposal. And like it they're never named, but it's uh you are intuitively able to understand what each one does based on what you're able to do with them and what the icon looks like. So, like, you have a health score, and that's just a heart. Um, you've got a strength score, that's a raised fist. You've got, like, money, that's a little dollar sign. You've got your um, number of followers who are with you, which are, like, your workers. Uh, and that's just a little, like, silhouette of some dudes. Um, and, I mean, it just it's interesting how easy it is to be able to... I mean, mastering the game is not easy, but, like, st- getting started... I at least felt like it was pretty easy. Yeah, see, that's interesting because I I think part of the reason I didn't get to the end of the game is that it took me long enough to figure out a strategy that I was like, oh, okay, this is something that I could actually have success with. Uh-huh. Um, like it was at for the first little while that I was playing, it was feeling kind of like. I wasn't really getting enough of any of the resources or skills or whatever to, yeah. to like really do damage until like my last two or three runs when I kind of figured out a strategy that was working. And mm-hmm. by that time I had kind of uh, had enough uh, for the time being of the game to like mm-hmm. where I was like, okay, I might come back to this, but for, for now, for the, for the episode, I've, I've, <laughs> I've got enough of it. And I feel exhausted like I have enough of a handle on what's yeah. going on. I yeah, mean, I I, see, I wouldn't even say exhausted. I've just like, I'm satisfied with uh, what I've learned. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, I mean, I would say that um, it doesn't... I mean, maybe it, like, just barely falls short of being able to, like, fully... I mean, you play it long enough, you will figure it all out. But, like, Mm -hmm. it is true that there is kind of a steep learning curve. And if you had this uh, mythical missing manual, it would would speed things up considerably. Um, I played the game for, I don't know, maybe an hour, hour and a half, and I... um, I I got super. So your final goal is to build a castle, build or conquer a castle, and uh, conquer the land. And I got to the second to last step, which was I built a castle, um, but then I didn't have enough might to conquer the land. So I got one step away from finishing it oh. on my own, and then I had to. Um, uh, I was like, okay, I feel like I'm missing a mechanic, and I looked up. Mm-hmm. Um, a walkthrough of someone playing it and I uh, there was one really obvious mechanic that I somehow hadn't noticed 
And when I added that in on my next try, my very next try, I beat it. You um, scum. I know, no, I know, I, I cheated. What was, but so what was the mechanic that was missing? So I didn't realize, I had never tried recruiting people from the inn, which is like super obvious when I think about it now, but mm-hmm. um, all the other sources of growing your follower base are mm-hmm. limited. So like if you ransack a village, you usually mm-hmm. get a follower. If you rally an existing village, you get a follower. Um, a village that's under your control. Under your you, control. Yeah. You can get followers from spelunking in the caves sometimes, which I thought was funny. You just find some people down there. Just find a guy. Just, <laughs> he's hey, lost. And he's like, I'll join you. I was hanging out down here with the snakes. Uh, I was just kind of riding it out, but uh, <laughs> thanks for saving me. Um, but you can also, if you have high enough charisma, just recruit them from an inn, and you can do it literally every single turn. And if you oh do, oh my god, are you serious? Yeah. So if you do that, if you just get your, basically, you get your charisma to, um, I think it's nine that gives you a hundred percent chance to recruit from the inn. Oh shit! I had that many yeah. times. Yeah. Or charisma I, I, was. I'm assuming it's charisma. My path through the game. Yeah, I I think that's, it's charisma's really powerful beginning and then late game, I don't get the impression that it's as powerful because. Uh, you're aging so fast. Oh, so one mechanic we didn't mention is that every turn is one year of your life, and you lose one health per year of your life. And then once you get over 40 years old, you lose two health per turn. And 50 years old, you lose three health per turn. Oh my god, I never, I, the oldest I ever got was like 32. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, if you get past like 35 or 40, you mm. almost definitely have enough resources that you're going to win. Um, mm. But, but anyways, um, and the only way to rejuvenate your health score is to rest, and you can't be doing other things while you're resting, so eventually you have to have enough followers that they can do all the shit for you, and you just sit in a, in a manner and rest so your health mm-hmm. doesn't plummet, and that's mm-hmm. how you, uh... Yeah, okay, so, <clears throat> I want to talk to you about, like, what your strategy was, because just based on, like, this quick little you know what you've been saying thus far mm-hmm. it seems like your approach to winning the game versus mine was very very different well so um, i tried yours so wait let me see so your strategy was like min max charisma and then go try to convert as many people as you could right uh is that what you're saying kind of well basically in one of my runs toward the second half when i was like trying to figure out what if it was actually like feasible for me to, you know, finish the game in the time that I was going to put into it. Uh, I stumbled upon the castle and saw that one of the options was if you just have a shitload of followers, then you can just, uh, you can just stage a revolt. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was my goal was to just stage a revolt and overthrow the castle because I, I had seen in the menu that you so it seems like the what what you were trying to do was you were trying to build a castle and then take over the land. But my thought was that if you overthrow the existing castle in the existing land, then you just win. Uh, um, you, I'm not sure. Uh, if you that's do true. not. Oh, okay. Um, but you do destroy the existing kingdom, and all of their stuff becomes uncontrolled. Mm. And um, and, take it all and that can be substantially helpful. So, like, no, it no longer is the case that when you take stuff over, they get mad at you because it's not their 
Mm-hmm. It's not their like territory anymore. But there, a new mechanic happens, which is like roving bands of like mobs appear, and they have the same function as soldiers. Yeah. So it doesn't sure. actually change it that much, but it does like open up the number of. It seems I didn't try that strategy as like a main strategy, but it seems like once you cause anarchy, it just becomes much easier to just like snatch up all the property and then get mm. enough to, to yeah, really I mean, win. I think the implication would be like, if you can, if you have enough people to take over the castle, usually it, it depends on what randomly generated thing you get, but usually it's, you know, around 20, maybe a, f- a little bit fewer than 20. So you have that many followers. You're going yeah, yeah. to, you're gonna be able to scoop up all those, houses very very rapidly yeah yeah that seems right um that seems right when i did so i did try the um the one that i actually won um i did not do anarchy i i assumed that if you conquered the castle you just won Mm. but if you conquer the castle you destroy the castle and then you have to build a castle but I had like oh, twenty five. Really? I had twenty five followers and a bajillion wood, so it just delayed it by two turns. Mm. Yeah, interesting. So, how were you like? How were you starting runs like toward the end? Like, what were you? What were you so doing my, from the start? And like, what was your like early game strategy? Okay, so the early game strategy that I won with that I think worked really well was you. The very first thing you do is you destroy the farm that you start with. Because you get a follower. Um, mm. And having one follower is hugely helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what I do from there is I, I try to explore as much as possible. And I use my follower to chop down wood, if I see any mm. wood. And I use my main dude to meditate in the mountains, which is how yes. you... Ra- <laughs> yeah, so that's one thing we didn't explain. But how you raise your charisma early game is you go <laughs> hang out in the mountains for a year. Which I thought was funny. And you become enlightened. <laughs> you become enlightened. I, well, so I think, I think sort of the implication of that is that the what you're calling charisma, it's represented in the game by just like a little music note. Yeah. I think charisma is, is pretty good, but uh, based on a lot of the prompts, it seems that it's sort of like kind of religiously yeah it does it's like it's like influence almost like mm-hmm. you're going into like taverns and being like all right, I'm going to convert all these guys to my religion and then they'll follow me around and do my bidding. Yeah. That and sounds right to me because the fact that you like hide in the mountains, yeah, it, it made me, it, it sort of like made me think like you were supposed to be a, um, you know, in like the ancient and medieval world, there are historically a lot of people who were like religious zealots or prophets who then yeah. after they did that became like state makers so most famously mm-hmm. muhammad but like yeah it's it, it has this kind of like and i think this game does a pretty good job of like despite its very limited interface and like interaction uh kind of like conveying that this is a medieval world and it operates on yeah a lot of like medieval assumptions uh, and i think that's one of them that just like Oh, this strange man went into the mountains and then came back a year later. No one's seen this guy for a year. Last thing we saw, he went <laughs> into this mountain. Then he came back down, and now he's spouting these prophetic, you know, speeches. And he's like converting people over to his cause. And the 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 crew behind him is getting bigger, and his his powers of uh, persuasion are, are growing. It's kind, of, it's kind of like a weird, like I don't know, like superstitious medieval 
you know, not quite crusades level, but just like this man is a holy prophet. He hung out on the mountain and talked to Jesus, and now he's going to help us overthrow the king who's a dickhead. <laughs> you know, just like yeah, kind of weird stuff like that. And like um, uh, I really like how <laughs> it's like you've grown tired of your life. You must now that you're an adult, you must go out and start you know doing something other than farming and you're 12 years old yeah you are like, by modern <laughs> standards obviously is still a child but you know in medieval times people were often marrying off and uh gaining a certain level of autonomy you know mm-hmm. at you know 13 14 15 you know yeah, young yeah. teens uh basically like once you hit puberty then it's like all right you can go do Good your luck. Own shit. Yeah, and uh, I also think that it plays really well into like the lifespans of this game because your first few runs, you're gonna be dying at like 25. Yeah, and, like it's you know it's a lot more common to die. You know, even the oldest people were like, you made it to 50. That was um, probably not very common. You know. So mm-hmm. I think it, I don't know. The game does a good job of having like these these like little touches that. Uh, uh, sort of thematically uh fit in with it having sort of a medieval aesthetic yeah and it's also like very like it feels kind of fun and tongue-in-cheek in in its like Mm. medievalism it's like 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 this the stripped down simplicity of some of Mm. it is is amusing yeah and like like you, you go hunting in the woods it has improved your physique substantially yeah, like you get stronger by running around in the woods and like you go to the I don't know. It's there's there's definitely a lot of funny stuff and also like I think some of the prompts are really funny like when you start the game it's like uh you will never be a king. You're a dirty surf. And then you like your response is like um okay or something like that. <laughs> and then when you die if you if you don't manage to like become the king or anything it says you have died at age a lowly peasant and will be forgotten yeah so does it say that no matter how far you get in the game as, as not as far not as i could tell i don't okay. know though because i Cause didn't the closest uh, i ever got without winning i had like built a castle and it still said that so huh okay yeah, yeah my assumption would be unless you win then it says that in that mm-hmm. case um so yeah so the to just go back to strategies that we've tried mm-hmm. um so the w- the winning one like i already said i tried to get early charisma and an early follower and then with the wood that the follower had chopped or if i'm lucky if i found an inn i would then build or convert that in and then every turn i made sure to at least every turn until i was like 30 i made sure to um uh recruit new followers and eventually you have like you know, when you have more than 10, you're doing so much each turn mm-hmm. that eventually you just have the resources to do what you need to do. Yeah. Um, one strategy that I tried before watching this uh, other person do it that um, I got kind of close with but didn't work mm-hmm. was I tried to max might early game. Okay. And then I just, so I like just hunted in the woods over and over again. And then mm-hmm. I just ransacked everything I saw. And okay. I just ran away from the, en- the enemy soldiers because mm. they move so slow. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and it worked for a while. That was the one where I, I got the castle but didn't win. But mm. like at the end, I had this castle, um, not enough houses to win, not enough uh, might to fight, 
surprisingly not enough might to fight everyone off. Mm-hmm. And my screen was literally surrounded by soldiers. Like in every yeah. single direction, there was a soldier, and I couldn't. There was nowhere I could go. Sure. So I was like, okay, that didn't work. That's interesting because I, I mean, I think honestly, the th- one of the main reasons why I didn't succeed is because I, I ended up doing just like even my most successful thing was still like min maxing. Like I was just going all into. Basically, my goal was get as many followers as possible and pay attention to nothing else. Just to, mm. I was just trying to like storm that castle, get enough guys, and go in there. Yeah. Um, which didn't quite work, but I also tried. I really tried. Um, before that, I really wanted. I found one of like the wasn't the castle, but it's like one of the like manors on the uh, in like the royal territory. Yeah, one yeah. of the options that you can use with charisma is romance. Oh, I saw that. What does and it I do? I wanted to get it so bad. So the thing was, is even when I, I think the game where I just like, all I did was hang out in the mountains for like 20 turns. <laughs> and I just hung out in the mountains and then I like rushed over there. And even with like 14 charisma, uh, the probability is still like 40%. So oh, I never geez. got to see what it was. Yeah, yeah. So the, I still want to see what that does because it seems like if you succeed in the romance, then like that would be another way to win the game. But my yeah. sort of strategy that I had the most success with was I would start the game. I'm actually, I didn't realize that destroying the village gave you a, uh, or destroying your farm at the beginning gave you a person. Yeah. So I didn't I realize always, that for the longest time. I would always um, do the, it was like rally or recruit or something on my starting farm. So I wouldn't get any of the resources. I would just get the guy. And yeah. then I would just, from that point on, uh, I would just every turn, if there was a building, uh, that was not owned by me, I would send my follower to try and convert them, and then I would uh, chill in the mountains and meditate. So I was just yeah. like, building my charisma, and then the more people I got, I was like taking over, uh, you know, buildings and then rallying them. But I, the thing you said about the inn, I did not realize, and I think yep. I actually, I definitely would have gotten like my last round because I had 14 uh, followers uh, without using that. So I assume if I had been oh, using wow. that the whole time, yeah, yeah I would have been, I would have had tons. Yeah, and it's like, it's like, that's one moment when the absence of the manual, uh-huh. <laughs> there just the absence of instructions, yeah. um, just makes a world of difference because that one mechanic literally like took me from like struggling every round to winning it without any trouble. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Because once you have like 20 followers, um, you just spend literally, you build a manor um, and you spend literally every round sitting in the manor and then your followers, they can build markets and get you money. They can build forges and increase your strength. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you just do that for like five or 10 rounds. um, And then you have, I think I had 50 strength at the end. And I was like, okay, I think that's enough. So are you just resting with your, because basically the way it works is when you have followers, uh, things that you would normally do by yourself, when you go, you can say, okay, I want to go to this woods and I want to chop it down. Then it'll say, who do you want to do this? Yourself or send one of your followers? Yeah. You send one of your followers, but at, at any point, if you decide to do something yourself, then that moves you onto the next turn, takes one away from your life. So were you basically just like resting every time, uh, with your yes so i did almost no resting and i yeah hindsight i think i didn't really understand the resting fully i didn't realize that it like 
I thought that it was like there was a chance that it would uh, restore life to you because I did it so few times. Uh, so I yeah, I I was similar for my first few times. Um, I was really confused because if you just rest at anything other, well, I'm not sure what happens if you rest at an inn, but if you rest at a just like on the ground, mm. you get an increase to your health by one, but you also mm. lose it from aging a year. So I was like, well, mm. that that seems useless. Yes, that's so what I, I so for like definitely the first thirty or forty minutes that I played this game, I was like, oh well, resting seems utterly pointless. So and where did I, you have to rest <clears throat> to get more than one back? Um, so I, I feel like I rested in in once, and I can't remember if that gives you more than one. But if you build or capture a manor, mm-hmm. uh, that gives you two, and then um, there might have been something that gives you. Th- oh no no wait, no no I remember. Resting in a house gives you two. Resting in a manor gives you three. So okay. I was actually gaining. Um, yeah. Huh. Gaining health. Um, which I needed because I didn't actually go conquer until I was after four years old. Yeah, that would have been, I feel like that's a big thing that would have been helpful for me because I was kind of like rushing. It's like, okay, I got to get as many people as I can because I'm only going to live till I'm 32. (laughs) Uh, maybe, maybe less if I get unlucky and get bit by a snake or some soldiers get a hold of me or something or this or that. So yeah, I think, I think that definitely would have helped me out to just be able to like, cool my jets for a minute and like find an inn just sit there and like farm for dudes and then yeah you know rest and get back a bunch of life i think that would have been uh that would have been helpful Mm -hmm. but but still i i think i had a good time and it was the game was starting to sort of uh show itself to me as like as far as you know the the strategies that would work and what wouldn't work yeah Um, i'd be curious um so I mean, early game, I it really seems like there may be literally one right answer, and I can't. Now that I like have played through it quite a few times, I can't think mm-hmm. of anything that could possibly better be better than the inn because you get two guys for mm-hmm. recruiting, or no, you get one or two, mm-hmm. random, but at least one. Like, I yeah. it's hard to see how building up your followers that early there could be anything better than that. Late yeah. game though, you do you don't have to conquer the castle. You can also conquer the kingdom. You have two options. It's by force or by influence. Mm-hmm. Um so the influence one requires a high influence, charisma, religion, whatever that one is, score. Mm-hmm. The other one requires high might. So it seems like once you have your like economic base uh, you can either build up your strength or just build up your charisma in order to win. Um, mm. Which, I mean, I guess it like is almost exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, but I don't know. I kind of wanted to talk to you about why I... I so I had mentioned the, the strategy roguelike management simulator, which is sort of the... <laughs> the no, that's you know, good. I like it. <laughs> TM, you know, my, my name for what kind of genre this is but i kind of wanted to justify like sort of the roguelike portion to it which more so than any other like strategy games of this sort that i've played i guess the hard thing is is i've i've never been a really big like turn-based strategy person 
Uh, uh, probably the the biggest touch point I have for a game like this would be uh, real time strategy games like uh, like Age of Mythology or even sure. a little bit of Age of Empires. And then um, I'm trying to think of what the other. Uh, I've, you know, when I was a kid, I just thought the, you know, flying around over the map and having, you know, a bunch of little guys that you get to drag around and have go fight people. It's just like, I don't know, there's something very cool when when so many games are, uh, you know, you're playing as one character and sort of the camera, you're just seeing yeah. one character running around. There's something very cool as a child to seeing, you know, hundreds of little guys running around and you're like controlling all of them. Uh-huh. The there's God point very, of view. Yeah, exactly. There's something very, very cool about that. So that's sort of like my biggest touch point for a game like this. And the reason I sort of felt like in a, in a game like that, probably because those games were a lot more popular in like the early to mid two thousands, uh, when it was, when procedural generation was a lot less common, uh, it was Mm -hmm. just kind of like, all right, we've built out a series of levels that you go through. There's a campaign where we set specific enemies with specific resources against you, or you're just like sort of playing against, uh, bots or real people. Whereas, uh, today, you know, you can have something like what this game is where it's more based on runs. You have a singular goal, but uh, a new world every time. And Mm -hmm. you, uh, I don't know. I feel like, it sort of takes the the roguelike thing of like, okay, I'm not going to do very well and I'm not going to, I'm going to beat this probably once, maybe twice ever uh, because sort of beating it is the, the final like, okay, I'm done. Yeah, uh, yeah. But each time that I am playing, the victories you get are by learning new things and adapting your tactics for the next time. Uh, you know, with something like, Spelunky, which is a game I haven't played as much as I uh, kind of wish I ha- would have, but uh, you know, like Spelunky, or I guess I played Rogue Legacy a good deal, or like Nuclear Throne, like any of these sort of like roguelike games, mm-hmm. is you're getting a little bit further each time, and you're learning a little bit more each time, and you're using what you learn and sort of bringing it back into the beginning with you know a new world with where you know it might not be as convenient as the one you got. Like you might not have an in as early on. And so it makes it a little bit tougher, right. but you know, you're still gonna be able to figure something out. So I guess that's sort of why I, I, I think roguelike kind of fits this, this game. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I totally buy that. It's like a, in like, it's, it's like high level, like, structure it seems very roguelike um uh it was interesting that you mentioned like rts games because uh um like the i mean it obvious i mean this isn't this is an obvious point but like it has more in common with like turn-based strategy games like civilization which is Mm. what i was thinking of when i was playing this it like felt like halfway between if like Stardew Valley met Civilization and hmm. then it was pared down a little bit, that would be this game. Um, okay. Because Civilization does have like the sort of maybe this is a little bit roguelike, but not really. Like I mean, Civilization does have like randomized maps mm. um, where you then uh, you still it's the same thing where you have like one goal, but the like starting zones different, your enemies are different. Yeah. Uh, the so, stru- so like the setup of the resources is different. Yeah. So here's maybe something that makes it 
closer to being quote unquote roguelike um, is the 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 um, amount of time you invest in each round. So like uh, Spelunky, which is probably like the most popular like roguelike, the most successful. Oh, each round roguelike. of like playthrough. Okay, yeah, yeah each that playthrough seems right. is very that seems succinct. Right. Like uh, Derek, you he he wrote a book called Spelunky about creating Spelunky. Yeah, I've heard about that book. It's a very good book. It's pretty short. Uh, I would I would recommend you you read it. I think it's uh what is it like boss fight books? I think is what the yeah yeah who publishes it's it. Anyway, it's I would highly press. recommend that book. It's very interesting. But um, he talks about how he was like very determined to be like when you beat the game, the run should take thirty minutes or less. Okay, interesting. And so uh, I think, and I think since that game was so huge and influential, uh, many like games with similar goals that uh, would be classified as roguelike uh, take a similar stance to where y- each run is quite short. Uh, but you, there's a lot of uh, like learning and uh, mechanical density packed into a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe that's what makes this feel more roguelike to me than uh, you know something like Civilization, where you're you know playing <laughs> for 15 hours per game. Yeah, yeah, it's like 20 <laughs> hours. It's a game where yeah. like I've never gotten anywhere near finishing a game, not for lack of trying, but just because basically what would happen is my friends and I there were three of us, and we would like spin up a game with a couple AIs. I think this was all in Civ five and we would just like play one night for eight hours straight, you know, be up until four in the morning and yeah. then, and then we'd uh. be like, all right, do you want to play tomorrow? She's like, no, I'm exhausted. And then the <laughs> next time we want to play that game is a month later and we've forgotten everything. So we just start a new one and then yeah. the cycle begins anew. Yep. That, um, that is like the, <laughs> the, thing that happens in all civilization games even even when i was playing that game solo i was like i get really into this one playthrough and then i'd stop playing the game entirely for a few weeks and then come back and be like no i just want to start over (laughs) yeah yeah but but anyway so i think maybe i i kind of thought about a little bit i was like i was like wow how's it this not been a thing before with with roguelikes becoming such a a popular sort of like sub genre especially on like pc games where strategy games and uh you know tactics games sort of flourish uh how has this not existed before and i think maybe that's why the the it felt like it felt like something very new to me but maybe the reason is that when you as you start to scale this up the natural like the length of it naturally becomes longer and as you add mechanical depth it becomes more of just a straight up traditional strategy game where the runs are take you know, yeah. multi hours instead of you know a handful of minutes. But I'd be very interested to see uh, a a like roguelike game that tries to maintain the like brevity of runs while taking something like this and and making it a little bit deeper and more involved. Um, I think you, I think it could be a very cool game or. Yeah, I think it could too. Like this game, um, although I quite liked it, it does seem like I don't feel like particularly compelled to replay it now that I've I've won. Mm-hmm. Like like the the fun of it was like figuring out what systems work together and which ones don't, and then yeah. you know once you find quote unquote the solution, mm-hmm. uh, you've kind of got it. 
whereas you know in like civilization and or real-time strategies like age of empires there's like endless replayability or in other roguelikes um you know spelunky is famous for being so small yet so infinitely able to be replayed Mm -hmm. um well i think i think largely the thing about something like spelunky is like i think a i think it's very likely that if i ever beat spelunky i would beat it and then it'd be like all right i did it Hmm. and i wouldn't play it nearly as much uh okay so i i think that the difference with this game is is since it's sort of like a smaller more uh succinct game you know you're it's not meant to take a long time to get there it doesn't have a like a crazy amount of mechanical depth so if you could increase the mechanical depth so that it took more hours of play to get to that that time when you beat it uh while still keeping the like time of each run you know uh brief or relatively brief i think that would be you know a really cool sort of yeah spin on the whole thing could be it could be very neat it could I could. Um, I think there's definitely a lot of like unexplored space creatively for this sort of genre. Yeah, I think I think generally uh, one of the things that happens a lot is that uh, people make sort of a smaller scale action game, and they're like, "All right, this is a cool action game. We could spend three years building bespoke levels for this, <laughs> or we could spend you know one year." building procedural generation for it and then make it a roguelike. And so I think that ends up with sort of the, the roguelike sphere being flooded with, uh, action games that, you know, games that feel really good and have like really fast tactile action is like a, a very common, like any time that I've been working on a prototype that felt like that, it's like, all right. So the natural inclination is to make it a roguelike. Uh, whereas in some yeah. cases that would fit better, you know, a game like that would fit better with like bespoke levels. You'd end up something with something more like Hyperlight Drifter, that's like a very mm-hmm. handcrafted, tailored experience. Uh, but then on the flip side of the coin, if you're making a strategy game, I think the general thought is to make it either have a like long campaign uh, akin to something like uh, like XCOM or something like that. Or it you make it to be competitive, um, where I think kind of what Royals the, the 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 little light that Royals sets off in my mind is that uh, you know there's there's room in the roguelike space to incorporate more turn based strategy elements to make something that's uh, a little bit fresh and and, mm-hmm. and interesting and I and I think this game succeeds at a lot of that I don't think it just like suggests the uh, possibility of such a game. I think it fulfills a certain part of it, but just with it being such like a small game and, mm-hmm. you know, a relatively quick, you know, it took you, you know, an hour and a half to sort of, uh, fully realize its mechanics and, uh, yeah. conquer them. Uh, but anyway, it's I I don't know. It got me thinking a lot about what kinds of games people generally, uh, use the, the roguelike formula to, to make, and how there's still a lot of space for that to uh, grow. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess part of the... (laughs) I mean, I I think people sometimes get a little bit like... I mean, this is true of all media, but I think especially true of video games, that when a genre becomes established, people, especially new developers, have a tendency to, like, 
really rely on existing formula, which I mean, it's just understandable. Like building a game is a very involved process. So mm-hmm. um, it's understandable that people like rely on existing ways of doing things. Um, but yeah, I think it's when, when you think roguelike, you don't think like turn-based strategy. So mm-hmm. this, this was definitely opening it in, I mean, after playing it, it feels like a very obvious direction. Like it seems very natural in this game, mm-hmm. but like, I imagine a lot of people, uh, had not, had not occurred to them to combine those two genres before. Sure. Sure. Well, with that, uh, did you have any other big points about Royals that you wanted to to cover? Or um, I had one minor point. Um, There's just something I was thinking about when playing this game. Is did you ever feel like the field of view was a little bit claustrophobic? Yes, it's definitely, and I definitely had it uh, accidentally sort of screw me over. And I think part of this was my fault because since I hadn't really fully grasped the the resting mechanic uh i Mm. I was sort of having i was just moving at breakneck speed so what would happen is i would uh be like converting uh you know homes and inns and things and then at the end of my turn when i moved my uh my like main player character uh, to a different spot, it would shift over so that I couldn't see some of the places that I had just taken yes, over. Yes. And so then I couldn't, uh, like do the whole turnover and, uh, get a fresh batch of guys from it. Uh, but I think, uh, partially, I think largely that is part of the sort of aesthetic that this game takes of like, this is an old game that runs on yeah. a floppy disk on an old home computer, like an early home computer. Because, uh, I mean, if you've seen some some games from this era, they definitely similarly have technical limitations. Uh, so they can only show you so much on the screen in a way that can hinder gameplay. So I think that is sort of uh, a little bit of flavor, I guess. And I, I mean, I yeah, also think it, it's I like think strategically so. it makes you it makes you think about it. Like I started uh, planning differently how I was moving around the map. Uh, based on ensuring that all the the moves that I was setting up a turn in advance would still be uh, feasible once, like, all the stuff would still be on the map once I moved to my new spot. Or making move like, leaving people uh, to chop wood, and I can can move away from that. I don't need to be able to see the space where they chop the wood to get the resources. If they succeed, I'm going to get them either way. Yeah, and the follower will return to you. Yes, so whereas if I'm capturing something... Uh, I need to be able to see it in order to rally it or do whatever I want with it. So that's true. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean it, another way of like thinking about how this game does field of view is that it combines your like sphere of influence with your field of view. Like a lot of strategy games separate those two. So like they will have something like the fog of war Mm-hmm. in like real time strategy especially where it's like you can still see things that you have moved away from or see what they were even though you can't affect them mm-hmm. whereas in this game what you can see and what you can affect are always linked mm-hmm. directly sure sure which yeah i don't know i mean that i don't know that i think that is a like bad way to do it but it was mm-hmm. just a little bit jarring for me because i'm used to like um like one of the f- the appeals of like strategy games for me is like 
seeing the whole, like, you know, when you start a game of Civilization, you can, like, see nothing. And then mm-hmm. by the time you finish, you've got this, like, massive planet that you yeah. uh, can, like, see and see how everything affects everything else. And there's something very fun in that, like, see, that sense of, like, vast expanse of space that you now have access to. Yeah. Um, and, like, it's be- sort of because I have been trained in strategy games to expect that. I, it was almost making me a little bit stressed that every time I moved, I lost track of where everything else was. Yeah, well, I mean, I, like like I said earlier, I think the the sort of point of that is to make you like be thinking more about the impacts of where you're like the sort of the final move where you're moving your actual character is. And I mean, I think based on uh, the other game that I played by Asher Mol- Volmer, which is Threes. Uh, which I don't know if I've talked about at all, but uh, I know probably, oh God, it's probably been four years now since 2048 was like a huge, huge game on like iOS. Mm-hmm. But threes, I'm pretty sure threes predates that. And even if it doesn't, uh, I think threes is a much more refined and carefully designed game. Uh, but uh, yeah, threes came out in 2014. I just looked it up. Okay, so I guess, yeah, 3s and 2048 would have happened around the same time. I'm, I'm relatively certain 3s came first. I'm not entirely certain. but 2048 but, came out literally a month later. Okay, yeah. <laughs> That's but, funny. But 3s presents to you, so if people aren't don't know, so in 2048 you have like tiles that are all multiples of two and you're sort of uh if you get two tiles of the same value and next to each other and you sort of slide over then they combine to be uh double so if you have two two tiles and you slide over then you get a four and you're using this to try and build up the biggest number possible um and threes uh starts with uh tiles that are of value one two and three and so instead of uh, the tiles being multiples of two, they're multiples of three, and then the smallest tiles are ones and twos. Uh, and so it's and also the game tells you when uh, what the next tile will be. It tells you if it'll be a one, a two, or a three. So it there's just like an extra layer of like intentionality to it. And uh, I don't know. I feel like. Uh, this sort of to bring it back to this field of view thing. I feel like that's something that Asher Volmer given, uh, that decision that was made in threes. I feel like that was a very intentional way for him to say, okay, uh, you need to be thinking about how your next move is going to affect this move. Because if you move yeah, that's true. your guy off, then, then it's not going to be, uh, some of these things you've set up are not going to be able to be capitalized upon without you moving back into the, into the space where you can see them. Yeah, um, yeah, that seems true. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that it... Um, it just produces a different kind of experience rather yeah, than a better or a worse one, I think. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. Well, with that, uh, are you are you ready to sort of wrap up the discussion on Broyles, Jordan? Uh, yeah, that's everything I had to talk about. Great. Well, uh, would you like to tell the people what we have in store for them next week? I absolutely would. Um, so, next week, we have a, another uh, special... Um, interview um, episode uh, we were lucky enough to uh, be able to get a hold of Turnfollow the people who designed packing up the rest of your stuff on the last day at your old apartment um, a game that we played a little ways back um, so next week we will not be playing a new game we will be interviewing Carter Lodwick and Ian Ensley who are the 
dynamic duo that make up Turnfollow. Um, and we'll be talking to them a little bit about the game and about uh, their lives and game design in general. So it will be great. Um, tune in for that. Yeah, and uh, in the meantime, make sure you follow us on Twitter at EdgeGuardCast. We're going to tweet out links to all this stuff. That's actually how we ended up setting up the interview with uh, Carter and, uh, and Ian because we tweeted at them when we put out the episode on their game and they listened to the podcast and then they expressed that they thought it was good and so we reached out and that's how interviews happen so if you if you want to you know get in touch with uh with you know the developers of the games or if you want to yell at them for why you think their game is amazing because that's why you would yell at them uh, <laughs> then uh make sure to follow us at EdgeGuardCast. uh and uh yeah we will we will see you in seven days time with uh with a beautiful interview for you Thank you.